What's going on, guys? Zach here. Before we dive into this episode on family finances, I want to take a moment for you to reflect on the fact that I talk a lot about relationships, your relationships with other men, your relationships with food, with your addictions, be it booze, drugs, whatever, porn, you know, relationships you have with your wife, relationships with your children. You know, one of the things we don't talk often about is your relationship with money. You know, and that's what today's discussion is on with Mark Allen Bovere is about how you feel about money, the emotion that's connected with debt. I did a podcast before with Shadid Elazar, and he talked about how debt carries significant emotion. It's a lot of choices you made maybe in your past. Maybe you bought things to feel better because things weren't going great. You know, whatever it is, that debt means something to you. And we have to remove the emotion and just view it for what it is. Now, I'm not going to go too deep, you know, because that's what the podcast is for. (laughs) The episode is great. Listen to it. It's fantastic from beginning to end. But I wanted to bring up, you know, today's sponsor is PeacefulFathers.com. And a sponsor like that, you know, you're like, well, Peaceful Fathers, this is about finance. This is about relationships. Anthony Migliorino, who runs PeacefulFathers.com, and you can be found on all social media at Peaceful Fathers, is constantly talking about peaceful relationships. We need to remove the, the trauma. We need to remove the shame and the regret that's around our financial choices. We need to look at our debt. We need to look at our savings. We need to look at what we're spending money on and bring peace to that relationship. You should be at peace with where you are and where you're going. Once you do that, you can strip the power away from the debt or the credit cards or whatever's hanging over you. That loan that you took out, you know, you can stop thinking, oh, I'm a bad person because of this. And that'll improve your relationship with yourself. All of a sudden, the negative talk is going away. All of a sudden, you're just speaking to yourself in a manner that's going to get you to where you want to go in a positive light. Yes, there is debt. Yes, there is a loan. Yes, you know, there, there are things that aren't optimal in your life, but you can fix them. You can either find ways to make more money. You can find ways to stop losing so much money and spending so much money. There are many ways to go about it, but none of that happens if you don't take the time to remove the power of money and what it has over you and to just look at it for what it is. So go forth into this episode and recognize it's time to change our relationship with money. If you're looking to change your relationship with yourself and your children, again, our sponsor, PeacefulFathers.com. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, don't just listen, but apply the information exchanged. Enjoy. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I'm joined by a very special guest I've been going back and forth with for years now, Mark Bovere. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here. So for those that don't know, Mark is a father of three. He's the author of the Finance and Fatherhood Newsletter, as well as the founder of Frugability Finance. And that's incredibly relevant to today's discussion because we're going to be talking about debt, about squaring your finances away, and big time on stripping the power money has over you or ways you can start that process at least. But -hmm. Mark, for anything I may have missed that, that the listeners should know, what is, or who is rather, Mark Bovere? Well, I'm in these parts. I, it's been a long journey, as you said. You and I have gone back about four or five years or so, and it's been a fun time. Um, you know, I came into these parts. Uh, I'm a single father. 
I've got three teens. They're um, well, close enough. One's 11, but um, he eats like a teen. So I count it. And um, so, you know, my journey started, I got into the finance, you know, wing of the internet, so to speak, or the corner of the internet uh, back in about 2007. Um, I had two young kids. I was really stressed out. Um, I had like 30 grand worth of debt. Um, You know, I, I was 27 years old, two kids, you know, just really felt like way underwater. I had a big, long commute to a big, stressful job. Uh, I was paying more in daycare than I was paying for my house payment. I mean, things were just really out of control. And so I started um, perusing personal finance websites and blogs and finding anything I could about finance to get that under control. And um, ironically, I have a finance degree. I'm a finance uh, you know, professional. So but uh, you know, I guess whatever we apply in in, pers- in professional life doesn't always apply to personal life. Kind of like there's fat doctors, I guess. But <laughs> <all> uh, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, you know, so for the next four or five years, we, um, you know, my now ex-wife and I, we we battled our way out of thirty grand of debt. We had another kid. Uh, it, it was just uh, chaos to say the least. But we grinded and grinded. We got out of debt. Uh, by the time I was about thirty-two, I was back out of debt. And um, feeling pretty good, things were kind of coming together, and and then I got found myself divorced, and I was thrown back into a bunch of debt, legal fees, and we had to uh, split a loss on a house, and and um, the housing market was bad, so uh, we had a couple things, and I was right back into the same amount of debt that I was five years earlier, and so it was a little bit of despair. It was a little uh, disappointing. <laughs> I say little. It was very disappointing. I was in a, a bad shape. You know, now I had one income instead of two to um, tackle the same problem that I had just tackled five years earlier. And so over the next five, six years, I dug my way back out of 30 grand of debt again, um, this time with, you know, being a single dad with three kids and and um, one income. But but I grinded and I grinded. And, and uh, finally, in about um, 2017, 2018, I killed the rest of that debt off. And uh, and that was a huge, huge relief. Uh, to get there. And and I thought by that point, I think I've learned enough where I can start sharing uh, some tips and pointers for people and, and start to be a, a personality in the personal finance space. And I can share my journey. Uh, I can't tell you how to be a millionaire overnight because uh, I'm not there yet, but I can help people get to where I am from where I was. Uh, you know, if that makes sense, I can bring people uh, along the path that I was on. And that's my mission now is to bring people into um, a good standing. I think being debt-free, um, as we talked about before the show, is such a, a huge weight lifted from most families and, and um, it, it, for most people. So it's something I highly recommend everybody get to that point where you're debt-free. Um, I've been there twice, got out twice, um, so you can too, and I'm here to help. And uh, I hope we talk more about that today. Absolutely. And it's that voice and angle that you take on the money that they're really, you know, like I was saying, and to share some of my story for those who don't know, you know, when I was in the military, I was in E6 over six when I got out. So that's when you start making like not good money, but you're making more than the shekels you were getting as an E4 and E5, you know? And then when I left the Navy, we kept living like I was getting that paycheck. You know, we kept that lifestyle that we had, the bills that we had, we kept everything, the cars, except I went from, you know, this to my income, you know, down here again, I was back to like making an E4. Mm-hmm. You know, and people see me now, like I had the blog then and it made literally $0 all year. 
I had the podcast that it made literally zero dollars all year. So even though I was doing these things, I was making no income. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, my nine to five, which yep. was like 43 a year. And yeah. coming from 60, that was that was a pretty big hit. Oh, yeah. So so we found our way to credit cards. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we'll just swipe this because that's not real money, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't leave the account. We can buy this TV. We can buy this moving thing. We've got a house. That house needs to be furnished. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we found ourselves, I, I think the number was 33,000 in credit card debt. And I was like, man, like, okay, everybody has credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where people, and I really want to start driving the point, you know, for those listening, that was normal to me because society has made that normal to everybody. You know, you're supposed to have credit card debt. You're supposed to have huge car payments. That's normal. You need the bigger house. I fell right into that trap. I walked, I I openly jumped into it voluntarily. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I see. I started my story at 27, but really, if you go back, um, I was 19 years old in college and I got a capital one MasterCard because they said you need to get a credit card to build credit. Right. And so that was like the advice I took the the advice just to get a credit card. And I was like, well, I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to have the credit card just to build up some credit. And I remember I was up at college at Michigan state sophomore year college. And, and we wanted some, we wanted some uh, pizza rolls from the pizza place uh, down the street. None of us had any cash. And I remember the very first time I used my credit card ever (laughs) because I, I used it to order like these, you know, this pizza, these pizza rolls from this pizza place. I don't remember what it was now. And I swiped that card and that was the first time I ever used credit. And man, was that a slippery slope from there? I thought it's no big deal. I just don't have the cash. I'll pay it back later. Right. Um, ended up graduating college with a couple grand in credit card debt and then got married. We had two incomes, no kids, that lifestyle trap you talked about when you're like, when you're like 23 years old and you've got two incomes, no kids. You're like, man, I'm going to go out and get a new car, at least a new truck. Yeah, uh, you know, you do. <laughs> we went to Alaska on a sweet vacation. We, you know, we bought a brand new house. I mean, we did everything wrong, but it was like right there. Like, man, the two of us were making great money. We're just like kids. And, um, you know, so I made every mistake you could make. Uh, so if you're listening to this and, and you haven't made those mistakes yet, uh, listen to Zach and I, we, we've been there. Um, don't fall into that trap. Don't go down that, that path and, uh, and you'll be okay. But man, was it, uh, d- digging a hole from 19 to, to 27 was, uh, was quite a trip. That makes me wonder, did your, in your upbringing, did your parents talk to you about money and finances to that degree? Uh, not a lot. No but money only came up in my household when, when, it was sort of like there was a lack of it, you know? So like, oh man, I wish we could get a new car or, you know, I wish, wish we could take a nice vacation. It wasn't really talked about in, in like a money management thing. I don't, I don't think my parents were all that terrible at managing money or anything, but it was just um, not something that was really, you know, front and center at all. Yeah. I, I think in, or at least in my home, my experience was we didn't really like, there was a taboo subject around it. And my stepmom was an accountant or I believe she worked in the finance side of her family business. And I, she started the process of, of teaching us, you know, interest rates and how to use it. But I think I had already been imprinted with, you just don't talk about money, you know, by the time <laughs> she had come into my life. And it was like, I had already decided, you know, we don't talk about money. It's a bad thing. It doesn't matter how much anybody makes, you know, it's like a dirty word. And yeah. then dude, it just set me up for so many poor choices. Like my kids are 11 and eight now. 
and I'm already like talking to them about all mm. these things. I'm, I'm talking about crypto just because I'm like, yeah. I want them fully aware of everything to not make the mistakes I made. Everything. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think nine-year-olds are more aware of crypto than most adults right now, but uh, <laughs> it's all point. yeah, yeah, yeah. They see stuff on uh, online, but um, yeah, m- money, I think with kids, that's something I, I don't talk directly to my kids about money a lot because um, I'm a firm believer that kids um, learn by viewing your habits more so than what you say. You know, you can sit down and have a lecture um, you know, and it goes in one ear and out the other, or they just want to get out of there. But if they see you day in, day out making decisions and, and if you just vocalize those decisions as you make them like teachable moments, I think, uh, kids will catch on. So, but yeah, definitely making a point, uh, to not make it secret in my house, to not keep money, like as some taboo subject, like we just talk about it. It just is what it is. You know, you want something new. Here's how you can afford it. And here's how we can afford it. And hey, dad, why don't you drive a brand new car? Well, because here's why I can't afford it. And here's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to pay off this or that or whatever. So, um, you, you know, there's always teachable moments. And I say capitalize on those. You know, and with that, I think the key word you use there, and I was going to ask how you did it, but you, you said it, you know, you vocalize it. You, you tell yeah. them, hey, I'm choosing to do this instead of that because of X, Y, Z or, you know, buy this or not buy this you know, for these reasons. And then they can see, you know, Hey, they're your actions. And now I know why you took those actions. And that goes a long way. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, and the other thing is I don't want my kids to, you know, make the same mistakes I did. And so I talk about the mistakes I made. I think, um, some people might be a little shy to do that. Uh, you know, admit mistakes to your kids, but man, if the, once your kids know you're not perfect, it takes a lot of the stress off being a parent. Uh, and, and you can tell them, Hey, I made a lot of these mistakes. You're going to make your own mistakes, but Hey, at least you cannot make the same ones I did. And, uh, here you go. I did a, the last podcast I did was, was with Tanner Guzzi. And yeah. it's, it's incredible. You just said that. Cause we were talking about how parents will paint this picture, perfect image as to mm-hmm. what their, their life is and what their, the marriage is. And there's no flaws in it. And the kids grow mm-hmm. up trying to reach that ideal. And they never realize your dad had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> your mom had no idea. They were all figuring yeah. it out just like us. You know, there's so many flaws oh, and it's yeah. important. We share that with the kids so they can see like, oh, you, I will make a mistake. You made mistakes. We just keep carrying on. Don't make two in a row or try not to make the same one. No doubt. No doubt. And, and you know, the biggest thing is not to beat yourself up about the mistakes, right? Like, uh, I know we're kind of veering off into parenting, but um, you know, I talk a lot, I take a lot about that too. Um, you know, but as a parent, you're going to make mistakes. And I think you, maybe you posted this recently. I don't know, but you know, do you apologize to your kids when you make mistakes? And, and, um, you know, I do, I, I admit mistakes when I, you know, maybe I yelled them too much or I, you know, didn't give them the benefit of the doubt or something or whatever, you know, I always fess up to that and tell them, Hey, you know, I was wrong. And, and um, here's why I was wrong. So I don't have any shame in that. That's really a barrier. I think it's generational a little bit, you know, like um, my parents didn't talk much to, about to their parents about emotional things at all. And my parents did a little bit more to me, but now it's like that barrier has been broken. I feel like in our generation where things are more on the table and, and talked about, and I think we should capitalize on that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and that word shame, it has so much power to it. You know, yeah. shame, it's such a heavy word, <laughs> but I think that is tied to a lot of people's debts. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're ashamed that maybe you, you went on a bender when you were a teen and you're recovering. I think yeah. a lot of the, the big wigs on Twitter, money, Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. all these social media that are flout are flaunting, you know, what they're making. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot behind the scenes that they'd be very ashamed if it came to light. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of, 
Hey, I, you know, look over here, but don't look over yeah. there. Don't look <laughs> at my hundred K in debt. Look at the 10 grand yeah. I made this month online. Well, my favorite one is, you know, this goes around a lot, but my favorite one is the, like I retired early um, blogger and they write this article about how they retired at like 35. And then if you get to like the 15th paragraph, it says that they have a working spouse who provides health insurance <laughs> and like all this is like, no, you're not retired at 35. You're a stay at home spouse at 35. <laughs> Call like, it what it is and yeah, own it, you know, like own it up or, or it'll be like, oh, and you know, my parents trust fund inheritance uh, put me over the top and now I'm good to go. You know? So like, I, that's a big thing in the personal finance space is don't get jealous of other people of what they're doing. You know, so everybody's had a different situation. And um, the only thing you can do is take what you are doing right now, where you're at and make the best of it. You can't compare yourself to somebody else, you know, and I, I really cringe in the personal sm- finance space when people post all their like net worth, I'm worth a million or I'm worth this or whatever. It's like, you know, that's just kind of humble bragging. And I know they say, oh, it just kind of validates what I'm doing. It's like, no, just, just tell us what you did, you know, and, and how to get there. Don't be doing that stuff. So, um, but yeah, there's always a story behind it. I could go on. There's so many stories of, you know, working spouses or inheritances or, you know, windfalls, or, you know, I got an insurance check for a hundred K because of a car accident or something. So, um, there's very few people who like you and I, you know, a lot of people find the personal finance space like I did when I was a young father and I was in a ton of debt and I had mortgages and car payments and I had all that stuff. And I was looking for answers. Well, the problem is I'm not going to relate to the guy who was single or, you know, two incomes, no kids and retired at 35 because I'm not in that situation. I'm 27 and I've got two kids and I've got a ton of debt. I can't be where he is. He was making hundred K his wife was making hundred K and they retired at 35. Don't compare yourself to that person. You might learn a few tips from them, but that's why I'm in the space now is I want to, I want to set an example for people like normal people, right? Like most normal people, most normal guys who come across personal finance space are going to find some blogs and read some stuff and get pretty amped up to pay off debt and maybe retire early in the, in the, I want to warn them about something that happens where you get caught in the cycle of kind of, you try to do something better. You try to do something different. You try to retire early and you never really get there. But in the meantime, you're kind of missing out on the present moment. You're missing out on what you could be doing with your family and stuff. And and you're trying to escape the nine to five when you could be making what, you know, the best of the nine to five. I mean, people crap on nine to fives all the time and don't want to do the job. And, and, some of us get out of it, right? Like I'm on my way, you've made it. A lot of people have kind of like worked their way out of the nine to five, but there's different ways to do it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like the the prevailing advice in the personal finance space is that you have to save a couple million bucks and then you can retire early. Well, people like you, you found a different avenue in the sense that you built a business that eventually allowed you to quit your day job and you can work on the business full-time. And I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call that retirement, but it's like, you're not doing the day-to-day nine to five, you're doing something for yourself now. And so I think we need to redefine what people are looking to do in the personal finance space, maybe build businesses or cash flow that can get them out of the nine to five that they don't like. But in the meantime, don't, don't hate every day of your life because a lot of times you'll be in that nine to five and you'll try to find something that'll get you out and you'll try for years and years and years and not, not make it. And in the meantime, you've just been miserable hating where you are. And so the key to getting out is embracing where you are, Uh, embrace it fully, give your nine to five, your all, give it everything you've got. Then 
you can you'll start to see dividends pay off in other ways when you build that work ethic and when you get into that frame of mind of of doing things really well even at your 9 to 5 you come home and you apply that to your business or your side hustle or whatever you're doing and it's going to carry over into all areas of your life you're going to be a better better father you're going to be a better worker you're going to be a better husband all that stuff carries over and so don't don't just sit there miserable in 9 to 5 hoping to get out work your ass off, do a good job in your nine to five and carry that over and, and do something outside to, to work your way out. Yeah. I mean, and that mindset is exactly why I wanted to talk to you. Like if I had to get a snippet, it was right mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. that it's that approach to it. It's you're not chasing anybody else's ideals. You're yeah. not, you know, it's, I don't want to know how you, you paid off hundred K and now you're a millionaire. Like I want, what was your mindset in that process? Mm-hmm. And to your point, you know, on, Everybody's chasing the product yeah. at the expense of the process, but that that process is life. Yeah. That's you going out with the kids. That's you spending time, you know, with, with your spouse or whatever you have going on. That's you, like in the moment, you know. And, yeah. and to my point, I left the job not to do nothing. This mm-hmm. is now the job. It's just a different yeah. job, you right? Know? <laughs> but when I had the job, yeah. I went to the job, and I, I literally posted something this morning. It was I would rather work a nine to five that gave me time with my family. Yeah. As opposed to being an entrepreneur that I was always gone and had to yeah. do something else. Yeah. And and somebody was like, well, being an entrepreneur, working hard, will get you that freedom. No, it will. But I'm yeah. saying if I had to choose one or the other, if those were my choices, yeah. I'd rather work and build up and work in a factory, but have all the time in the world with my family yeah. and say I'm free, quote unquote, but I don't enjoy the process of what I love. And my top priority is being with my family. 100%. 100%. I mean, I've always prioritized being with my family and that's probably set me back in my career and set me back in side business work, but I've never regretted that ever. Right. Like I would trade, I'm 41 and I would trade, I would trade as much time as possible now for time. Like when I'm 60, right? Like I can be sitting around doing nothing when I'm 60 and retired by working my tail off right now, or even 50, like, let's say I want to retire early at 50. I could work and bust my butt 60, 80 hours a week between my day job and side hustle. And I could retire at 50. Well, guess what? In 10 years, my kids are grown and moved out of the house and then I'm retired. So what, right? Like this is the time that I want to spend with my kids. If I have to work a little harder when I'm 50 and they're all moved out, so be it. I don't care. Right. They're going to be gone. They're going to be doing their own thing. I got more time to work and I'm not missing out. So I've always viewed that as a trade-off that I'm willing to make, you know, now, obviously I'd love to like kind of have the best of both worlds, right. And get out of the nine to five and do something. You have more time now, but right now my nine to five doesn't take up so much time that I can't be there for my kids. And so I'm not going to grind out an extra 20 hours a week away from my kids to try to escape that. Not right now. It's just not in the cards for me. I'd rather be there for my kids. And, you know, I'm grind out five or six hours a week on a side hustle and I'm making progress and I might get there, but I'm not going to go the extra mile that people talk about grinding all the time because my kids are 11, 13 and 15 and they're only here a couple more years. This is my time to be with them. I got chills. And you said that <laughs> I've, I've been having that same, you know, like recognition yeah. that like they're growing, you know, like oh, yeah. it's, it's, we've been doing this, you know, I think it was like four years when we crossed paths, like they're, they're not slowing down when they're growing up, you know, they're growing up right before all of our eyes. It's, it's intense. Oh yeah. I mean, I took my, took my 15 year old son out driving, you know, he's got his learner's permit and I'm just like, Oh my God, dude, like this is going by so quick, you know, and, and my 13 year old, my 15 year old, they want to spend time with their friends more than they want to spend time 
with me, which is great, right? That's the whole goal of parenting, but it, it's a reminder that this time is fading quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take full advantage of the next, you know, six or seven years until my youngest hits college age. And, and, you know, then I'll figure some stuff out from there, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not overly focused. I think we have this obsessive focus in this country on like retirement and like it's been ground in our heads, you know, 401ks and that's all, that stuff's all great, but it's all this end goal of like sitting around and taking cruises when you're 60. And like, first of all, none of that appeals to me. That sounds awful, but (laughs) I mean, like it sounds terrible to me, but you know, I don't want to live that lifestyle that most people live when they're 60 or 65. They want, they just want to be like retired and do nothing and take cruises and eat out every night for dinner. And, you know, at 4 PM and, and do that, whatever, whatever the old people do. And that's not really, that's not really my, that's, I don't really care. Like I want to work forever. Like I always want to be doing something as long as I'm physically and mentally able to work, I'm going to work because I love doing it. I love working. I love getting up and having a purpose every day. And so it changes my mindset. I don't, I don't have this mindset of like, I want to have 5 million bucks by the time I'm 60. And then I'm just going to sit on a, on the beach till I die. Like that sounds, that's, that thought has scared me my entire life. That thought, that vision of being kind of done with my work and done with my responsibilities and just sitting around and enjoying the life. That doesn't sound very fun to me at all. Like I want responsibilities. I want shit to do. I want stuff to take care of. I want like, I want life to go on all the way to the end. You know, like I want to be in it right to the end. And I don't want to just coast out in my last 20 years and call it a day. So um, that just changes my mindset. I don't think that far ahead. I, you know, I put money in my 401k, I do whatever I got to do to, to make sure that I'm taken care of when I'm that age, but I'm not, that's not my focus at all. In fact, I don't want that time to come, right? Like that, that means the time has passed and my kids have moved out and all that stuff. That's all. I'm not going to look forward to that. It's just going to be a thing that happens. And I think that highlights really well, you know, the point on priorities, mm-hmm. you know, your priority is to, to be able to maximize the time you have. And that's less of a priority than saying, I won't have to lift a finger at 60 or whatever. Yeah. For you know, your priority is now in living. Yeah. hundred percent. All And I, I've never regretted doing that. I've always, you know, I've missed happy hours. I've probably missed promotions. I've probably, you know, s- stepped backward in my career over the years. Cause I've always been home. You know, I haven't missed a, a practice or a game of my, for my kids. I've been there the whole time. I'm not saying that's wrong to miss if you got to work, right? Like if I had to be there, I had to be there, but, um, you know, I always took care of my responsibilities, but as soon as I was done, I'd be home and I'd be, be there for my kids. And, and I'm never going to regret that. And I don't think any father out there will regret that, you know? No, absolutely not. I I saw somebody the other day call you the OG dad on Twitter. And I was like, yeah. And like that wisdom right there is exactly, exactly why. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you also highlighted something with, when it came to prioritizing the time you can have with them. there's this, this concept. So I went hunting for the first time. I'm third. I was 33 when I did it. So yeah, I'm 34. Now it was like two months ago and I'm sitting there. I'm alone in the woods, no phone, no anything. It's just me waiting for a coyote to come in my crosshairs, <laughs> which never happened, which sucked, Yeah, <laughs> but I did have this great insight. So that helped. And it was, I was just going through my life. You know, I'm my message, what I'm putting out there. I'm always trying to really strip away any fog or any gray area as to who I am. Because the whole angle is to be like, here is me, you know, and in that I was like, well, where, what's left to improve and work on and dial in, mm-hmm. you know, and I came somehow my brain just went to debt mm-hmm. and I, Jackie and I, we were in this, I want to call it like this perpetual debt loop 
where, you know, that number was 33 K in 2015 and 16 and 17. And it, <laughs> we, we'd pay it down. It would come back yeah. up with interest. Yeah. We pay it down. Yeah. It would come back. And it was just a roller coaster where it was yeah. at that number where we paid just enough to get it down, but never enough to get it to go down. You, we couldn't out pay the interest mm-hmm. because we didn't care. We were paying the minimum. We were doing whatever Yeah, because it was normal. Yeah. And alone in the woods, you know, it, it just, something clicked. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't want that anymore. And I think as you were talking, you know, it, it connected some dots on, I think I really, I prioritize freedom in my life. And if I'm beholden to this, this bill coming in or these cards or whatever, mm-hmm. somebody owns me, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm a servant to them. I've got to pay that. Yeah. So what I did is right when I get back from that trip, I was, I spoke with some dudes and again, it was, it was almost a source of shame. I'm like, mm-hmm. here I am leading all these people. And I didn't even realize I was failing in that area. I thought mm-hmm. normal people had debt. Normal people paid their bills. My bills are all paid. I have no debt collectors yeah. banging on my door. I'm a normal dude. Yeah. But I had debt. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, like that's not cool. So I had been investing in crypto. Mm-hmm. Crypto was doing well, super happy, all green candles, no red candles at that point. And I cashed out a lot of it. You know, I, like, I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm, I'm just going to take this now. And instead of having this, we were talking earlier before we recorded, you know, if you have a million dollars in crypto, that doesn't mean you have a million dollars in your bank account. Yeah. You don't have a million dollars to sell. Yeah. I sold. Yeah. I dropped it on debt and that 33 turned really fast to an 11. And then as of a few days ago, that 11 turned into a nine. Nice. Very soon that nine is going to be a freaking zero. My aim yeah. is to just, just hit as hard as I can with everything. And then I'm hoping by April, it's just gone. Yeah. That's money where I could have put more into crypto. Yeah. That's money. I could have, we could have gone on vacation. Mm-hmm. I could have bought a new gun, you know, all these cool yeah. things I want, Oh yeah. but priorities. Mm-hmm. My priority was freedom. I want mm-hmm. to be left alone. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for people to start spinning their relationship when it comes to debt and you work with them? Um, well, obviously the first step, um, you know, I, I don't like to get into too much technicalities because there's, there's a million books out there that'll tell you like how to pay off your debt. Right. It'll, it'll give you five steps and those are all great. Right. But that's not really what I do. Cause there's a million of those, but there's only one of me. So, um, obviously the number one thing is to stop taking on more debt, like just make debt. It, the the number one thing is to like make debt a big no no for you like you know like I know you've given up alcohol right so like alcohol oh, is another a, huge one <laughs> right right alcohol is like a no no right like you've just written it off right and then you're you're stuck you're sticking to that so um you know the same thing that um, with debt you have to just look at it like I've quit debt I'm done I quit forever you know today is the day that I is the last day that I will ever take on more debt. And then you start a counter just like you would with alcohol or, or nicotine or whatever. Just say, that's it. I'm done. So you have to change your mindset and make it, it's a, it's an absolute no, no. Like with kids and I, we still kind of, you know, carry over from the childhood, but we say certain things are no, no's. Right. And it's, it's simple and childish, but it's true. Like, no, no, like we have no, no foods where like certain foods we just don't eat because they're just so terrible for you. We don't eat them in this house. We say no, no foods. Um, so no, no debt. You're like, you're just done. You've sworn it off just like alcohol. So you have to believe that you have to commit to that and you have to be done with that. That's the number one thing. Okay. The second thing is to number one, don't rush out. And, and I know the instinct is to rush out and like try to pay it off as fast as you can. And a lot of people get kind of like tunnel vision and try to pay it all off. And I that's think me. that just right. Yeah, that's, that's probably me right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that was me too. Like I think, but what I see a lot of people do. And, and like, you're successful, you're succeeding because you've succeeded at a lot of things. But I think 
in general, a lot of people, it's like dieting, right? Like they, they jump in and they're going to go full in at paying off their debt. And that's going to be their sole focus for whatever. Well, most people do that with diets too, right? They're going to go like keto or they're going to do whatever. And they go hundred percent in and then like two months in and they give up because it's hard and you kind of just want to treat yourself. And so I, I caution against that. Don't go like crazy, give up everything, you know, start making your coffee at home. If you like your coffee, you know, all that stuff. If you, if you go too crazy, you're going to hate it. Um, and you're going to put yourself at a, at a risk for like a relapse. As long as you stop taking on debt, you can start chipping away at it a little bit at a time. And then, like you said, with your crypto, the biggest thing that's going to pay off a debt for most people is a windfall. So there's going to be either you're going to cash out a, um, you know, an old pension fund that sat around or an old retirement account or, a, you know, old savings account, or, you know, you're going to get an inheritance or you're going to get a big tax refund, or you're going to get, you know, cash out your crypto, whatever it is, there's going to be that thing that comes in and helps you slam that debt out. So the key is to stop making it bigger, start chipping away at it a little bit at a time, you know, just up your minimum payments by a little bit, like a hundred bucks a month or something and kind of chip away, chip away. And eventually that windfall will come and just use it and just hammer it and be done with it. And, and you'll feel great. And I can tell you that the biggest motivation for me is when you, when you do a budget and you don't have any debt, like you can sit down and I I write down like house payment. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pay off my mortgage. I have my reasons. Like I've, I've been a big proponent of in this environment where you can get 2% mortgages, it's hard to justify paying it off. But, um, you know, so I have a mortgage and I have car insurance, you know, and I have some utility bills and like, that's it. And I add it all up and I'm like, oh my God, I could live. I could like meet all of my basic needs <laughs> for like two grand a month, you know, and that's an incredible freeing feel. That's the freedom you're talking about where like, man, that's so, I mean, if I've got 10 grand in my checking account, I can live for five months just on what's in my checking if anything got bad, you know? And so that's the freedom, right? And that's the, that's the, the end goal. And so you got to put yourself into that position where that's what you really want. And I can tell you from experience, it is what you want (laughs) because uh, when you don't have to pay very many bills, you don't have to think about bills. You don't have to think about anything. You just, you know, pay the two or three you got and it's simple and they stay the same and life is easy. And you know that you can get by on very little if you need to. That's why my finance business is called frugability. So it's like you have the ability to be frugal if you want, but you don't have to. Like, you know, if you're if your expenses are 2K a month and you're making 5K and you're getting money putting money aside, you can go buy the gun or you can go, you know, on the vacation or you can do all that. But then if times get tight or, you know, income starts to dry up or something, you can, you have the ability to be frugal and you can jump back down. You can live off two grand and, and live cheaply and make it last and kind of hunker down. And so always put yourself in that position, but the, the key to being debt-free or, or the real treat to it is that you have options and you have freedom. You know, and I think while listening to that, I hope the listener or viewer understands they see people who are doing things online. You know, they hear, oh, you're running, you know, uh, frugality finance. Yeah. Or, or you got the family alpha, Zach. Yeah. I'm not the Tate brothers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like yeah. There, there are certain people who have achieved so much in life and they're, they're yeah. at that top 1%. But people, I and I think, and correct, let me know if I'm yeah. off base here. But I think when people see anybody who makes something online, they're put yeah. into this. Well, that's, you're different. 
you know, you're up yeah. there. And I'm like, dude, I'm a dad with two kids. Yeah. Like I have bills. I have debt. I have just normally like, what are you talking about? I just, yeah. my job is to speak to people and write. That's yeah. the only difference. You know, it's, it's the same thing as going to wherever it's, yeah. it's a little different in that I control my time, but my life experiences, my stresses, my day to days, it's the same as 90% of the people out there. Yeah. But when you kind of shirk that off, you're like, oh, well, and I think this is another attempt at normalizing debt. Oh, well, you're different. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm different. I think we have a society that has said you're supposed to be ridden, you know, with debt. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's they, that's they the biggest it. that's the biggest roadblock, right? Is like you sort of like talk yourself. You set these these limitations on yourself without realizing it. You're like, oh, well, that guy's different than me. So I can't really achieve what he's done. He's got something different. I'll tell you a story. So I, I never, I used to consume all these finance blogs in like 07, 08 when they were huge. And um, I used to be so jealous of these like bloggers because they were so huge and, you know, famous, right? Like internet famous. And I used to think, man, that'd be great. These guys have it made. They're so awesome. I can't believe they can do that. I could never do that, whatever. Well, now I'm like good friends with several of them. We chat on DMs. I got their phone numbers. We met on, we met on Twitter. You know, I've got, I've got more followers than some of them. I'm like, this is a very surreal experience because 13 years ago, I was like in awe of these people. And now I'm one of them, you know, on the same level, if not more. And, and it's, it's very surreal, but you have to start, right? Like, I'll tell you the story. The, I did a podcast a couple of years back and you were on it uh, yourself and, and I've shut it down and I've got a new one now, but I, um, I started that podcast. It was like a, a cold December after Christmas where I was feeling a little antsy and I felt like I wasn't living up to my potential. And I felt like if I didn't start doing something different, I was going to live out every day the same, right? So like every single day was going to be exactly the same. I didn't really love my job. I was kind of like stuck in all in this rut and things weren't changing. And, and I thought to myself, there's no way, unless I get up one day and do something different, than the day before, none of that's going to change. And so I grabbed this like hundred dollar Dell laptop that I had, that was a piece of garbage. And I, <laughs> I, I bought this mic that I'm, that I'm still using here for 70 bucks. I plugged it in. I threw on some headphones and I started to record my first podcast. Like no, I had no idea. I looked up how to record a podcast, you know, and, and I used some junky software. I didn't have any of the right equipment or anything, but I did it. And a couple of months later, I had tens of thousands of people listening to my podcast. And so it's like, you just have to start, right? And the start is ugly and painful. And and it's like, you hate every minute of it. You look back and you cringe about it, but you have to do that. And so I did that. I broke the seal with that podcast. And then I, like, since then I've done it, I broke the seal and I started to send out emails and I started to write blog posts and I started to write newsletters and I started to do a podcast again. And I, then I started to make you know, write a book and I, I built a spreadsheet that people can use for finance. And so every start, every one of those starts felt terrible. Like it felt like you think starting some new venture is exciting and new. No, it's actually like, it's, it's sort of like dragging, your, it's sort of like dragging your ass to the gym at four in the morning when you haven't gotten up before eight in six months, you know, it's like, it's like your mind doesn't want to do that. Your mind wants to just do the same thing over and over again. What's comfortable, get in the groove. Your mind just wants to slot right in there and stay. And to break that, it takes, it takes a fight. You have to fight. You have to get up one day and say, I'm not going to do the same thing I did yesterday because I don't want to live the same life I did yesterday. And so that's how, you know, you and I are here. That's how I'm like, a, you know, who I am on the internet and whatever you want to call it. And you have to get over all that, those hurdles, right? The imposter syndrome where I was like, I'm, 
I can't write on the internet. There's people way better than me, right? Well, now some of those people that I looked up to on the internet are sending me notes saying, dude, your newsletter was awesome. You're a great writer. Thank you. You know, And so, and that was just because I started to do it. And if it sucks, so what? Nobody would read it, right? Like, no, it doesn't matter because there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's that shame that you were talking about. It's all about the shame. You have to start somewhere. You have to do something. Same with the debt. If you want to get out of debt, you got to do something different today that you didn't do yesterday. You have to do something today. Figure out what it is that you're going to do different and do it and stick with it. Figure it out. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be ugly. It can be dumb. I mean, you can switch from shopping at Whole Foods to Walmart or something. Whatever step you take, it's, it's a reminder. You broke the stasis and you got on the next step. You know, I, I think that highlights so well the the entire, the image of, of the product and the process. Yeah, Nobody cares about me typing up the description to this episode and sending you the invite and, and us linking up schedules. They do not care. They care about this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Not pretty how the sausage is made. They just want to eat it. You know, they just want the info, the intel, us having a talk, you know, seeing yep. what we're doing. Yeah. The same thing with debt. It's not pretty when you're like, oh, I can't go to the bar. Or, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go out to eat with you guys. I'm just going to go yeah. dump it on debt. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're listening to Dave Ramsey podcast or whatever, yeah. and, and you hear that couple like, oh, we paid our house off or we're debt free, mm-hmm. you can be that person. It's yeah. cool. That product is super cool to hear. Yeah. But you're skipping over it. They didn't go out to eat. You know, they yeah. didn't buy, you know, any, any fancy clothes, no vacations, mm-hmm. nothing, no, none of those extras, because that's not fun to talk about. But yeah. that's what you do to be able to experience that. But in that experience, you know, it makes that end product so much more worth it. And it's like oh. fitness. If I gave you a pill right now, yeah. brought you to whatever body fat percent you want, whatever size yeah. muscle you want, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, cool, look at me. But your mindset yeah. would never change and you would jack that body right back up. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think P- the same with finances. If I give you a million or not a million, but like whatever yeah. Yeah. the number is, you know, it's a million as a kid was so big. That's always the yeah, number you go to. So huge. Whatever number, that yeah. number was, <laughs> yeah. pay off all your debts. You'd be back in debt if you hadn't fixed up here first. Well, that's why I think the statistics like 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt within five years. I mean, it, it, that's like the, the most startling one out there because you can't just give people money and it fixes their problems. They have to fix their problems. And then the money will take care of itself. And that's the same. It's the same for everything, right? Like the, the jacked dude at the gym with the six pack abs. What you don't see is that he was up at 5 a.m. every single day doing that. And he's cooking chicken and broccoli in his kitchen on Sunday afternoon and putting five Tupperware containers out. And he goes home and he does that. And he goes to bed at nine o'clock every night and he does all these things. You don't see any of that, that like the grind behind it. You just see, Oh dude, he's a dude with six pack abs, man. I wish I could do that. And that's the same thing with debt. You see the people, I pulled up the sign. I paid off 40 K in debt, but you don't see the grind. You got to get in the grind and it's ugly. We want things to be easier. Our mind wants to find the path of least resistance. And like any of these things that are worthwhile are going to be ugly and they're going to be filled with resistance. And like you said, it's solely normal to be in debt. Like I bought a house at 24 way out of my price range because that was like the normal thing. They said, just buy as much house as you can buy. People said, that's totally normal. Just buy as much house as possible and, and do it. And if you have to take on some debt for a while, it's no big deal, you know, and uh, you know, go ahead and borrow for a car and go ahead and borrow for this and go ahead and borrow for that. It's all normal. Just like it's normal to be 30 pounds overweight and have a dad bod and all that kind of stuff, right? Like it's totally normalized, but that doesn't mean it's right or it's good or it's the best way to live. And so you got to fight against that and everything in the world is going to push you one way and you're fighting against all of it. They don't want you to be debt free, right? Like nobody wants you to be debt free because they don't make money off you if you're debt free. Nobody 
there's no customer for, there's no business that benefits when you're debt free. So, um, you know, that's, that's how you got to look at it. You're on your own. You're doing this by yourself. There's no company out there. There's no, nothing you can search for on Amazon. That's going to make you debt free. So take care of it, accept that it's a grind and, and look forward to that. Eventually you look forward to it and you look forward to the messiness. Like if it's, things are too easy, you start to get uncomfortable, right? Like, I don't, you probably get that way. I get that way now that I'm in this looking world, around. I'm like, wait right? a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I get, you know, I get in this world where I'm creating content and every time I create a newsletter or a product or something, it's painful and hard and, and it challenges me mentally. And then if I go too long where I feel pretty easy, like I realize I'm not moving forward if it's too easy, too long. Um, and that's kind of where we all are and uh, applies to money too. You know, and I think it, everything we see on social media, everything we see on the news, it supports that that the message coming out is like, no, it's good. Buy more, buy the next mm-hmm. thing. Your phone mm-hmm. only has two cameras on it. You need three. <laughs> yeah. Your house only has two garages. It needs yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more, more. Yeah. And it's just, it's a toxic loop. Oh. But to break it, it's just like, you know, your body. If you want your body to start looking better, you got to start putting better things into it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to you and, and maybe the the finance or finance and fatherhood uh, newsletter, you know, are there certain resources that you you lean on, whether it be apps or approaches or your own app that you think would be better for people to put into them so that as they're reading it and as they're using these things, it'll be a positive loop that supports a debt-free life or a more financially free life? Yeah, I think the number one, and this is my huge um, uh, point for everybody, is to you have to start by tracking your finances, every penny where it goes. Um, it's sort of like starting out on a diet. You got to track every calorie, like my fitness pal or something. And it doesn't matter where or how you do it. I think the best method, and this isn't, I don't sell this. Uh, it, it's just a pen and paper, right? Uh, gra- Whoa. <laughs> gra- I know, right? Gra- grab a notebook, you know, for, from the dollar store and, and so in a bag of pens. And so for two bucks, you walk out of there and you got everything you need to start this journey. And, and what you do is every single day, you sit down for five minutes and you write down everything that you spent money on and everything that brought money in. So what I do is I just sit down with a notebook. I open up my my banking app on my phone or on my computer and I just go through every and write down every transaction because I do everything through my debit card. So it's all there, right? Um, don't track cash. Don't get caught up in the details. Like if you take out 20 bucks, just write down, I took out 20 bucks. Like don't, if you spend it on gum, don't write down gum, don't write down coffee. Like people get too caught up in that. Just write down everything that you spend money on, you know? So then you'll get an idea of like, well, man, I spent like 400 bucks last month on random cash crap. Okay. That's something I need to rein in, right? Like you don't need to like know that you spent 400 bucks on gum and beer and whatever, you know, just know in general where it is, but you got to write it all down. Everything's got to be written down. Every transaction that, that you make with your card or every time you take money out of the ATM. And then every time you get a paycheck, you have to write that down. There's nothing psychologically that does it better than just writing it down. Um, I have an app or a, a spreadsheet that I sell. I, I'm not really pushing it right now because I, I really want people to just use pen and paper. It's just like the best way to do it. Once you graduate from that, you can get into my spreadsheet and, uh, and we'll talk about that later, but it's just a pen and paper, sit down every night for five minutes. It takes five minutes to write down for real five. Everybody's like, you look at your screen time on your phone, you have five minutes. Trust me. Everybody's got five extra minutes. And so um, that's the biggest mindset shift there is. 
Um, that's my, that's my number one thing I tell every client that I work with and my coaching is write it down. The first, I'm not, we're not coaching unless you write down the first week is you write down every transaction. And then we talk and we talk about what you learn from that because you learn more from that than any other, um, you know, exercise out there. I don't care what app you use. If you want to use an app, find an app. I don't care. There's plenty, but pen and paper is the best. Now you were talking about how the mind immediately goes to comfort. Yeah. And, and again, as I say this, this is not financial advice. Yeah. This is just the discussion Yeah, for, for those who let's say they have six credit cards. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend they consolidate that through a consolidation loan or anything to streamline it to here's one bill you have if they can? Um, yeah, I think that psychologically that helps. I think ambiguity creates stress and it, and the more ambiguous things are, the more likely you are to throw in the towel. Like, like the more complicated a diet is, right? Yep. The more, the more people fall off or the faster they fall off. Same with like weightlifting, right? Like I've never stuck with a weightlifting program longer than the simple strongless five by five, where you just do the same five exercises every week. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so the same thing with finance, like if you look at your, and you're paying six different credit cards, you got money all over the place. They got different interest rates. It's all messy and ugly. Um, I think the messier it is, I'm a huge fan of streamlining. I'm a huge fan of using one debit card, keep one credit card for emergencies only. And Everything you do goes through that debit card. Everything you spend goes through it. Everything's in one place. One account, don't have separate accounts. I mean, if you have a business, you need a separate account. But like for personal, some people like throw money. Oh, this is my spending account. And this is my, you know, uh, variable expenses account, whatever. Don't overcomplicate it. One account. And if you got six credit cards, try to consolidate them. Sometimes you can roll them into one card. Like you can do a balance transfer. Um, Sometimes you can go to your bank and get like a consolidation loan. Um, there's places like um, Lending Tree or Prosper where you can get a peer-to-peer loan, which I've done. When I was getting out of debt, I went and got a Prosper loan where people crowdfund your loan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, put it all in one place. And once it's all in one place, it's a lot easier to like scoreboard watch too. Like you go and look, okay, my debt's at 16 grand and it's all in one spot. You don't have to add up five credit cards, which is a huge pain and nobody wants to do that. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of consolidating, find it one spot put it in one spot. Usually you can get a pretty good interest rate. Like on prosper, if you have good credit, you can usually get a pretty decent, like better than credit cards anyway. Um, and, and you can put yourself on that path. But if you're going to do that, the, the the biggest thing to do, if you're going to consolidate is you have to get rid of the other credit cards as soon as you pay them off. Cause the, the big trap is people consolidate and then things get away from them and they start to charge up. It opens car- up that credit. Right. And they start using that credit. Right. Then they start like, using well, now the your credit. loan's full and the cards are full yep. again. <laughs> so you just doubled your debt because you, you know, you consolidated it and then you charged up the cards again. So if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna consolidate, you have to like I say, they say it's not good for your credit, but I don't care about credit as much. I say close the accounts. Like you need no temptation to use those at all. Like even cutting up the card doesn't do it. Cause like I had a Best Buy card once where I paid it off. I cut it up. Right. But if you go in Best Buy, you can still charge things to your car just by telling them your social security number. Right. <laughs> and so then I go in and I buy some, you know, and I'm like, oh, I still have an account here. Um, just close the accounts, get rid of them. You remember you're debt free. You know, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you're not going to keep like a six pack in the back of the fridge, you know, like Dude, it's funny you say, I was just so, thinking of it in that way. So you, yeah. I wrote this down. You said it earlier, you know, yeah. uh, staying sober uh, yeah. from, from credit. I, and I wrote down, you know, uh, sober from credit cards. You know, the way I see booze, yeah. it's not like I have a sip now. And look, there's no booze. <laughs> there, oh, there's yeah. not a discussion. That's like, I'm at 230 something. I'm never going back. Yeah, like I'm closing crazy. it on a year. Yeah, we're tracking. Yeah. 
but when I see like those, those just swipes. So what we did is as we paid it down, you know, it's down, like I said, it's like nine point something K on one card right now. We had a few cards mm-hmm. and I remember like, as that number was going down, I was like, yes, you know, it was like that super proud, you know, seeing the, the number change and then seeing my number go up with sobriety. It's another mm-hmm. one of those like awesome. Like I can't wait to hit one year. I can't wait to hit two years. There's a a psychological game being played here. Oh yeah, and dude. So and I kind of want to spin this towards your your spreadsheet, you know, and kind of talk about that. But when these people start to see, you know, let's say that they're they're 15k in debt, and that 15 turns to 14. Yeah, that 14 is a 13, dude. There's there is. I'm getting like pumped up now just thinking about it. You know, there's oh, a yeah. sense of pride and and just momentum and happiness. It's like when you see that first vein in your arm. And then some abs and the V, yeah. like it's the same thing as in any sense of self-improvement. Once you see that little bit, mm-hmm. you want to double down on it. You're like, oh, I'm definitely going to eat right today. I can finally see an ab or I'm definitely going to not buy a random thing, you know, with a card because I'm so close to turning that 14 to a 13. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, a wicked game. And I'm wondering, you know, with your spreadsheet, how or, or if you get people kind of on that thing where they're seeing the number change and each time they plug it in, is it one of those things they update each month? Or how does that work? Uh, well, it's it's something you update every day, and so oh, it's a, nice. it's a daily. T- you know, I've set it up when I built the spreadsheet. The biggest challenge I had was with most apps and software and everything was that there was no daily accountability. Like to me, it should be every day, and so I had a I had a, a line set up for every single day. So you put your transactions in daily. So, um, but even beyond the spreadsheet, I think if you're trying to pay off debt you need visuals and not even just the spreadsheet because the spreadsheet, you got to go into the computer and you got to look at it. Right. I say, if you're paying off debt, you take a chart, you take a a piece of paper or some type of chart, figure it out. There's charts you can print on the internet. If you look up debt charts, like there's a million of them, print them off, slap it on your fridge or something, or tape it up somewhere like on your mirror in your bedroom or something. And you want to look at that all the time. And you want to be able to fill in, like to me, there's nothing more gratifying than having a chart that shows your debt payoff and you fill in like little boxes or you make move a little line or whatever. And you just do that every, every day. And it's right in front of you. It's got to be in front of your face all the time. I'm a huge fan of visuals and gamification, make it a fun game, you know, say like, I want to get down to this level by this day and you go after it. Right. And you just attack, 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 but you got to see it every day. And my spreadsheet's great. I love it. I'm like not downplaying my spreadsheet because it works, but even beyond that, you can use the spreadsheet and then take what's in the spreadsheet and put it up on the fridge, you know, and, and just write that every day, take a note card and put it on a magnet and put a new number on there every single day, whatever your debt number is, whatever you like to do, just put it up there. Some people put those big giant, like uh, poster board note type things up and just draw a graph. Some people have a whiteboard where they just change the number every day, whatever you want to do. It's got to be a visual. And it's got to be in front of you. Cause that's, what's fun, right? Like it's the same thing with working out and same thing with, anything, any visual, you want to see the scoreboard move. Like I'm a scoreboard watcher, right? Like we're scoreboard watchers by nature. We want to see the tally. We want to know, you know, you turn on a sporting event on TV. What do you want to see? You want to see the score in the corner. It's so annoying when you turn on the TV and there's no score up. You're like, well, what's going on? So same thing with that. You got to have it up there and and have it in front of you all the time, wherever you get, even if you change your background on your phone to like your debt number, whatever, whatever it is. Dude, I have an but, app like so, every morning and evening, it pings me, you know, the, it starts the day, you know, we're, we're going to stay sober. And at the end of the day, it's, did you complete your goal? Mm-hmm. And I, I check the number and it's, 
it's just it's a habit now it's a part of yeah. my daily ritual and yeah. i every now and then I'll, I'll share it as like motivation or a topic you know for others but for me that's an every single day thing I'm oh like, yeah yes like keep growing yeah, i love it i love yeah. it yeah it's, it's got to be right there there's another angle on scoreboard that i wanted to talk to you about and that was the team yeah you know, if you make it fun the way you're saying uh i think it's a gamification which is yeah. a word i'm going to use from now on <laughs> yeah you know that's how you can get the wife and the kids you know, on board or anybody that yeah. you're doing this with, you know, maybe oh, it's a sibling absolutely. or somebody you're working with, you know, when it's a team, like, Hey, we are winning. We are putting these points up. We're doing this. All of a sudden it's less, Oh, we can't go out to eat. Oh, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a positive. Yeah, have you seen that or with people oh. that you've worked with? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, kids love that, right? Like kids love to scoreboard watch. Um, you know, they don't care about debt, but if you throw that up there and you say, here's what we're trying to do. And if we achieve this, we're going to like go on a trip you know, or we're going to, first thing we're going to do after we pay off all our debt is, you know, go back to debt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't mean like do it instantly, but like, you know, like there's going to be some reward at the end. There's got to be some sort of um, a thing to look forward to, especially if you're going to get your kids and stuff involved. But yeah, I mean, the scoreboard is huge, especially for your spouse. You got to be on the same page. You got to be, know what that's the goal front and center. Um, and, and, you know, nothing does that like a, like a scoreboard up front. I think, that's a big thing with virtual world. Um, and this is a big hurdle I've tried to cross and, I, and I'm still working towards in my frugability business, but is that we don't connect psychologically with like numbers on a screen the same way we do with like cash money in our wallet or like numbers on a piece of paper. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of pen and paper. I'm also a huge proponent of cash um, and things like that, because when, when you've got a couple twenties in your wallet, and, the, and you have no credit cards, you're going to go out and you're going to think about everything you spend money on. Right. And you're going to like, it, it, you physically feel the money leaving your presence. And so, you know, as you, you know, as the money goes out, there's less and less, and you kind of like, you can be gauged pretty well what's left in your wallet. Like, but we don't gauge what's left in our bank account nearly as well. Right. Like if, if you start the week with 200 bucks in your wallet and you've gone and, you know, bought some gum and you went, you know, here and went there and, and spent a few bucks here and there, you're, most guys will tell you like within a few bucks, what, how much is in left in that wallet. But if you're swiping that debit card, or you're swiping that credit card. You, you can't, you just no don't, idea. it's like, you don't know. Your mind doesn't like grasp that there's no like physical connection. So our mind doesn't hold on to pixels on a screen the same way. And so with everything being digital, you, you know, you have to, to make it real as real as possible. And for, you know, with your family, having a scoreboard up, that's real. Um, for you, for me personally, I think writing on a pen and paper and having cash and just making things as physically real as possible really changes the game. Um, and it's really important. It's sort of the same thing, you know, just don't have alcoholic, wouldn't have beer in the fridge, you know, take the credit cards out of your wallet, do those, do all those little things, but make it real. The goal has to be right in front of you. No, I dig it. You know, it's, it's, I'm 100% with you. You know, I think instead of trying to Again, I guess this goes back to shame, you know, instead of trying to hide it, yeah. just openly, overtly address it. Like, hey, oh, here's yeah. the cash we have to spend because we're yeah. not going to go into the, the digital money. Yeah. You know? Oh, instead yeah. Like, oh, I got to use money because I'm paying with cash now. Like, no, own it. Like, it's cool. Like, I'd much rather talk to somebody who openly is like, yeah, I'm looking to pay off debt. Yeah. than somebody who is talking to me like, yeah. just, I mean, a total waste consumer. Like, awesome. Like you have these things, but you are like horribly, like you're not in shape. You know, you're not happy. Yeah. You, you have this huge mountain of debt behind you that you're scared to look at. Like I'd rather talk to somebody that's real and, and genuine about their wins and losses 
yeah. and somebody who's sharing total success, even though, you know, this has come at an expense and I know what oh, the expense yeah. is to a degree because at, at 34, I, I, you can see, I know how mm-hmm. much this costs. I roughly know what you're making. I have an idea yeah. as to who you are. You're like, yeah. I can see these things. Whereas a child, you know, you, you had no yeah. clue. Oh yeah. You can start to connect the dots, right? You know, like my neighbor, com- you know, complains about not having a lot of money, but he's got an F three fifty in the driveway, and you know, he he works as a cop, which is great. But I, he's, I'm sure he's not making enough money to yeah. to to comfortably afford things like that. And so, I mean, people do that stuff all the time. But yeah, no shame. I mean, there's a certain satisfaction to me about paying in cash for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It just feels old school, like cool. <laughs> old school. Like it just feels good. Right. Like I go to an old school barbershop and the guy cuts my hair and shaves my neck and we have a good conversation and I give the guy a $20 bill and walk out. And it's like the most old school, genuine transaction that I, that I do every couple of weeks, you know, like it's just the, the coolest, easiest thing. And, and I love it. And there, you know, the same thing we were talking about, my kids and I were talking about gas. And like, when I grew up, we didn't swipe credit cards. I'm a little older than you guys, but I didn't swipe credit cards at the pump. You had to go inside with cash, you know, and you had to like decide, do I want to like come back in for change or do I want to like, <laughs> do I want to just put enough in, you know? So it's like, cold. <laughs> well, like, yeah, or like you, you judge like, well, maybe, maybe the tank could take 20 bucks, but if it's under, then I got to go back in for the change. If I give the guy 20, so I'm going to go in and give him a 10. I'm just gonna put 10 bucks in. Cause I don't want to go back in, but like, that type of thought process doesn't cross our minds when we use a credit card, right? Like we just swipe the thing in the gas pump and put, we don't even look how many people look at the total on the gas pump even anymore. You just swipe the card, put, fill it with gas, hang it back up and leave. <laughs> and nobody looks, they're like, how much was that? I don't know. I don't even know how much a tank of gas is, but um, you know, so th- there's all those things and it's just, just going old school. I'm kind of old school at heart and uh, I'm a big fan. Going I think that's why you enjoy the process though. Like, like yeah. the, the straight razor compared yeah. to just like zipping it around, you know, oh, being yeah. able to talk to somebody instead of like, well, just text me. Like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's about genuine. the process, not just the product. Oh, people don't understand the, the, the value that comes from sort of these old school connections. And you know, like I used to kind of roll my eyes at the old guys who are like, oh, you get, you kids don't know how to like just have a conversation anymore or sit down and, and, and it, you know, the older I get, the more I see there's some truth to what they were saying. And in that, we've kind of lost connection with some of that. And, and like, I'm not an old school, like, I think we need to go back to the way things were like, I'm a huge fan of things changing and technology and, you know, crypto and all this stuff that's going on. And, and I'm excited to watch it all unfold, but I think we have still to stay grounded. Um, and especially paying off debt is such an old school sort of thing. It's like biblical times. We're talking about, you know, getting out of debt. You're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're a slave to the lender sort of thing. And and that still holds true. Those are timeless lessons. And uh, let's never forget that, that being out of debt is really freedom. Uh, it's more freedom than people realize because you get comfortable, right? Like you, like you can have your credit card uh, payment taken right out of your bank account. You never really notice. You don't really go check the balance. It's just the 30 bucks a month minimum payment comes out, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't feel like much, but it's there. It like has a mental weight on us debt creates like a mental load. And I think it's an, it's like an extra strain on you personally, but on your family and on your relationship. I'm a big fan of, you know, especially married couples should get out of debt as fast as they can. I think it clears the air of one thing that can be a problem. Like the last thing marriages need are more complications and take finances out of that equation and just agree to be, um, you know, that debt is no, no for you and your family. And then 
uh, you can go forward a lot, um, lot more peacefully in my opinion. I dig that. No, no one yeah. debt. No, no debt, man. <laughs> no, no debt. That might be my next product. No, no that, debt. That's a good one. I dig yeah. it. Uh, so before we wrap this one up, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what people can expect if they sign up to finance and fatherhood, the newsletter, as yep. well as uh, frugability finance. We well, keep hearing the terms, but uh, kind of give yeah. them a glimpse into what it is they're going to be sure. signing up for. And sure. I'll have links to both below. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, you don't need to remember the the, the URLs, but uh, so the finance and fatherhood newsletter has been my focus this year. And and right now I'm putting out a, a big newsletter every month uh, that covers uh, typically one finance topic and one parenting topic. And so like last month we covered the um, stages of fatherhood and how the passage of time and things like that. And then I also covered how crushing your day job can uh, make your life a lot better in, in many aspects. And so it's things like that. It, it's just a it kind of my musings every month, the best things I could think of to write about every month. And, uh, and it, you know, I, I released it on Friday mornings to me, Friday mornings feel lighter than, than the rest of the week. Like there's some, I love Fridays. I love Friday mornings. Cause it feels like the, you know, the best is to come, you know, cause I'm still a nine to five guy. So like my weekends still, uh, feel like weekends, but <laughs> yeah, right. There's still a thing. So, um, I haven't, I haven't dropped weekends from the vocation. I don't think I ever will either because I'd sort of like the rhythm. Um, even when I'm working on my own here soon, it'll be, uh, I'll keep a similar rhythm because my kids are off school on the weekends too. So nothing's mm-hmm. going to change, but, um, Friday morning newsletter, um, you know, always like timeless type things, uh, topics that you can carry forward. I stay away from too much current event stuff and, uh, no politics or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, something to learn about being a father and, and about money. Um, and then frugability is, um, it's, it's uh, frugability.com. It's my, um, finance store where I'm going to release finance products. I've got, uh, an app coming uh, down the pipeline that's being developed for that. Um, you know, I'm going to release some, some finance books there and some courses that uh, can help people. And mostly it's a way of sharing my financial journey, um, specifically just to finance. So the finance and fatherhood is a little bit more personal and, and a little bit more, uh, my day-to-day life, but the frugability is, you know, if you want the goods, if you want the technical stuff, if you want the spreadsheets, um, and just get right into the, to the grind of the work and the, in the workshop, that's it. That's awesome. I mean, it's been great to catch up. It's been yeah. a wild, wild few years. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it sure Dude, has. Uh, I appreciate all your time for coming on the show. You know, I appreciate your insights. I think it's going to help a lot of people, especially those who don't just listen to this, but yeah. they apply it. They apply that mindset to their lives. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody, look forward to it. Uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. For anybody that wants to reach out and touch base and maybe pick your brain a little bit before they, they jump on the newsletter or maybe commit to one yeah. of the courses or whatnot, how could they do that? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter all the time. Twitter uh, handle is Mark Allen Bovair. Um, the newsletter is markallenbovair.substack.com. Those are the two spots to find me um, almost all the time. So, Very cool. Yeah. You know, for anybody listening that that's, that's on the fence, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you will not regret, you know, you, you've upgraded my timeline significantly. And especially, like I said, as I went through this personal journey on, you know, not wanting to be holding to anybody, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to get rid of my debt, you were the first person I thought of. Good. So the message you're putting out there, dude, it's so needed, you know, and it's appreciated, you know, it's, I'm, I'm listening, I'm reading, I'm applying. So you have at least yeah. one person awesome. on top of your clients that is yeah. using your information. <laughs> Well, great. I'm I'm glad it helped. And I look forward to uh, seeing you tweet out that you're debt-free here soon. Oh, yeah. We'll get that electronic fist bump going. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Yep. Take care. 
All right, Thanks, for everybody Zach. that tuned in, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Apply the information, improve your life. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore.